0: All right, thanks. All right. This is before Jesus' resurrection. Luke 24, 1 through 7. Very early on Sunday morning, the women went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. They found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. So they went in but they didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. As they stood there puzzled, two men suddenly appeared to them, clothed in dazzling robes. The women were terrified and bowed with their faces to the ground. Then the men asked, why are you looking among the dead for someone who is alive? He isn't here. He is risen from the dead. Remember what he told you back in Galilee, that the Son of Man must be betrayed into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and that he would rise again on the third day. You can be seated. Today, we proclaim the good news, the good news that standing up again, Jesus invites us to stand with him in new life forever. On Friday this weekend we did a prayer walk throughout the neighborhood. It was Good Friday. We call it Good Friday kind of paradoxically. It's the day that Jesus we remember Jesus being crucified and buried. And it's a day where really we remember the the hopelessness, the hopeless feeling that many might have felt who had their hopes and dreams in Jesus and They watched him tortured and crucified, and he's dead. On Friday, we remembered Jesus' death. We also remembered how he continues to suffer in the suffering of our neighborhood. And we stopped at different points in our neighborhood where people experience hunger, where people experience violence, where people experience abuse. And we prayed, and we remembered Jesus cares. But we ended at this building at Francis House, which is right at the end of our building here. And there's three crosses there. And these crosses have the names of those who have died in our neighborhood, on our streets, in the apartments around our building. And there's hundreds of names And some of these names we 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 know the lives attached to them, we've we've known them. Um, One name it's here on the newest cross is Sunny. Sunny came into our building one of the very first Sundays we had worship here. It was uh this these walls imagine walls were here and here, and we're all you know twenty people, and. Sonny shared communion with us. He broke bread with us. And that began a relationship with Sonny that many of us had conversations. Uh, he always looked super sharp. I don't know if you remember Sonny. He always had his head shaved Perfectly, like he never—I don't know—he shaved his head every morning. He, uh, whether he was had slept on the sidewalk or had slept on someone's couch the night before, his shoes were always immaculate. Um, his clothes were miraculously never wrinkled. He was—he was a—he was, was a pretty impressive guy. I would always say, "Sonny, how do you look so good? You're the best-looking guy in the neighborhood." He would just smile. Well, he died. His name is on the cross, or maybe you remember Isaac. Isaac. Uh, was a guy had always had a huge smile on his face, always procured a bike, was driving up and down the streets. He became a freelance security guy. He would get hired by local businesses and just offer to um, go buy their property at night and just make sure the property was okay. Well, he got a scooter with the money it earned, but it didn't have taillights. And I just heard this on, on Friday, that he was driving up Zuni, and uh, someone in a huge truck didn't see him at night and just overtook him and, and ran him over. His name will go on that cross. Our friend Storm, um, who worships with us sometimes, often I'll find her over there before the crosses, and she'll, she'll just be there, and I'll, I'll say, Hi, Storm, and, and she'll say, Oh, I'm just, I'm just here for a minute. I'm just praying and, and remembering uh, my friend's So like Storm, maybe you can relate to living life. I think we all live life under the shadow of death, under the shadow of suffering. It reminds us of the pain we experience in our life. It reminds us of how this world is messed up. It reminds us of how Satan, sin, and death rob us of joy and fill us with fear, fill our our families with fear, get in between our relationships. And so I find myself asking the question, is there hope? Is there hope for Sonny beyond the grave? Is there hope for Isaac beyond the grave? Is there hope for me beyond the grave? Is there hope for you beyond the grave? Is there anyone who can reach past death into death and bring us out again. Well, I've got good news. Today, we remember that there is hope. The answer to that question is yes. The answer to that question is yes. Someone, someone has gone into the grave and has come out the other side, and he will bring us with him. That sounds ridiculous. I know. But that's what we celebrate today. That is the hope of Easter, there is hope. Standing up again, Jesus invites us to stand with him in a new life, now and forever. St. Athanasius, it's on the, the wall. Uh, Meribeth, Deco- Easter decorations, give her a hand real quick. Yeah? Saint Athanasius, over 1,500 years ago, in response to what Jesus had done, he said this, Christ is risen from the dead, trampling down death by death, and upon those in the tomb, bestowing life. He defeats death by his death, and goes into the grave and proclaims life. Proclaims life to those who have died. We are here today because Jesus died. On the cross. And every one of our names were written on that cross that he died upon. And with his death died the power of Satan, sin, and death. With his death died the power of death over us. Yes. In Luke 24, right? We just read it. The women and the followers of Jesus, the women were the only ones with courage, all right? The women were the only ones to, like, get up and go out and, like, tend to to God's, to to their Savior's body. They didn't know He's a Savior. All their hopes were lost. They thought He was their Savior. And so imagine that Sabbath day. He was killed on a Friday, but it's a Sabbath day. And in Jewish uh, uh, tradition and culture, you're not allowed to move, basically. you got to stay put. You can't walk very far. You can't prepare anything. And so that day was a day of deep darkness, deep sadness, deep doubt deep despair, and and they have that whole day, Holy Saturday, to just contemplate, what do we do now? But they have courage. They get up on Sunday morning. They prepare spices and ointment, and they go to the place where Jesus was buried, placed in a tomb. They didn't put him in the ground back then. They put him in a cave, sealed it with a rock. And they go to, ex- to expecting to put spices and anoint the dead, lifeless corpse of Jesus, who they thought was going to be their Savior. And they go expecting to find his body. And so they arrive, and they see the first thing is that the stone was rolled away. This is weird because they don't just roll away. And so they're they're confused and they go into the tomb. They look in and they don't see the body of Jesus in the tomb. And then they see they're confronted with two dudes shining brighter than they've ever seen before. and, And they are terrified. They fall down on the ground, terrified with their faces on the ground. And verse 5 says, the women were terrified and bowed with fear their faces to the ground. Then the men asked, why are you looking among the dead for someone who is alive? And their answer would be, because we thought Jesus was dead among the people of the dead, right? It's Stupid, shiny, bright guys. What are you doing? But he, he says, why are you looking among the dead for those for, for someone who is alive? He isn't here. He is risen from the dead. And, and he, they remind them of what he had said about him, that he would rise from the dead, that he'd be crucified and he would rise again on the third day. The word rise, the word rise, you know, these angels didn't speak in Greek. I mean, they did speak in Greek or Aramaic. They didn't speak in English is what I'm saying. So they didn't say he's risen. All right. That's what we do. They said Anastasis, Anastasis. And that means standing up again. Jesus is standing up again. That's what that word means. Jesus is standing up again. And so these women, crushed and fallen down in fear, are told that their Savior is standing up again. He stood with them in amazing ways. They watched him fall and be killed and be slain. And now they're being told he's standing up again. Standing up again, Jesus invites us to stand up with him now and forever. Jesus stood as a human, fully human. So, if Jesus, just real quick, if Jesus stood up again, that means he had to, he stood at first and then he got knocked down and then he had to stand up again. So, let's talk about real quick how did Jesus stand on earth for the first 33 years of his life? How did he stand? He stood on the ground in flesh and blood. He stood in solidarity with humanity as a human, fully God, fully human. That's what we believe. He stood in perfect love. He stood with the least of us, the lost of us, those who are abandoned and left out and left behind and seen as worthless and seen as criminals and seen as defiling and seen as sick. And he was with them. And he stood up for them. See, how did he stand? He not only stood with, he stood for. And he stood up to powers and principalities. He stood up to religious leaders who oppressed people and laid on heavy burdens on on people. He stood up against empire and political power that would oppress people. And he stood against sickness. He stood against Satan, casting out. Demons, right? He stood with, he stood for, he stood up against. That's how Jesus stood. And because Jesus stood this way, he got killed. He got crucified. Because of the way Jesus stood up and stood with and stood for, they cut him down. They pinned him to a cross. And we have to kind of we, we would may, may often think if I saw Jesus, if, if Jesus came to me, I would recognize him and I wouldn't be a part of the crowd that said, crucify him. But I don't think we should probably think that highly of ourselves. Well, I think we have to take ownership of contributing to the pain of the world, the sin of the world, the conditions that put Jesus on the cross. Because what happened was that the world couldn't stand perfect love. They couldn't understand it. And and it, it aroused all the hatred and all the violence and all the, the jealousy that we have in our human hearts. And it was all poured out. All of our wrath, all of our anger, all of our, our maliciousness, all of our fear was poured out on Jesus. We projected upon him all of our fears. And we put him on the cross and him on the cross absorbed all that, all of our human wrath, all of our human sin, all of our human um, uh, disease and, 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 and malice and hatred. And it was all, he was our scapegoat. It was taken into him. And he takes all of that wrath and he takes it onto himself, into himself, and he takes it into the grave. Well, the beautiful thing is, is that he comes up, Right? He comes up, and he leaves all that junk in the ground. He did not stay there in the grave. He stands up again, anastasis. Jesus stands up again. And Jesus, standing up again, he invites us to stand with him in new life. Let me just end here. When I say end, it's like a preacher's end. It's like five to 10 more minutes give me. Sorry, Glenn. All right. All right. Let me end by unpacking exactly just three things what Jesus asked us to stand up out of. And I think all of us are being asked and invited to stand up out of these things. First of all, he asks us to stand up out of Satan's power and his lies that have power over us. He frees us from these. See, Jesus tells us that there is evil in the world. There is evil. The, the Jewish people called this evil the Satan, the accuser, And they call him the liar. The Bible says that Satan is like a lion seeking someone to devour. Jesus says he is the father of lies, right? And these are the lies. Maybe you've heard Jesus whisper these, or not Jesus, the enemy, sorry, the enemy uh, whisper these lies into your ear. Lies like you're worthless. Lies like you're better than everyone else. Lies like you don't belong. Lies that you're not safe and you never will be. These lies hold us captive. And these lies create and are the source of all kinds of dysfunction and harm to us and to those we love. But the resurrection, Jesus defeated Satan Jesus defeated the power of Satan's lies in our lives. When he was crucified and died and rose from the dead, he rose victorious over Satan. And we can live, we can stand up out of that fear, out of that, uh, that bondage to Satan, and we can live in the light of truth, free. Second thing, Jesus invites us to stand up out of sin, right? I know you're thinking this is where we, the part where we talk about sin, but sin's in two directions. Number one, we have to be honest, right? We've all sinned. By sin, I mean we've contributed to the pain and dysfunction of the world, haven't we? Have you, have you, have you, ever, have you ever hurt somebody? Have you ever betrayed someone? Have you ever uh, lied to someone? Have you ever stolen from someone? Have you ever um, lashed out at somebody? Have you ever coveted someone? We've all contributed to the pain and hurt and dysfunction. We've put hurt into the world. And Jesus by his death on the cross by taking on all that sin all that all that all that wrath all that anger all of our dysfunction he can cleanse us he draws it out of ourselves he can free us from the sins we've committed he can forgive us he can forgive us that's what jesus did but he also he also heals us of the sins committed on us right and i tend to think that's where that's i mean we need that, too, because I think hurt people hurt people. Do you believe that? And as we've been sinned against, we sin against others, trying to, trying to live out, uh, trying to, to heal ourselves. We hurt other people. And so Jesus in, on the cross in the resurrection, actually, he heals us of the sins committed against us. He heals us of the times we've been abused and neglected and beaten and abandoned. He is healing us of those things. That's what Jesus does on the cross. Third and last, he delivers us. He asks us to stand up out of the grave, out of death. Now, I'm not just talking about a hypothetical, symbolic, symbolic, purely spiritual death, okay? We're not talking about souls leaving our bodies and floating up into this ethereal kind of heaven where we're floating on clouds and with the, you know, naked babies with cherubim shooting arrows. This isn't a disembodied hope. This is like a, everyone pinch yourself, hit yourself a little bit, kindly. This is a physical redemption. This is a physical salvation. This is Jesus rose from the dead in his body, it says here, his body was not there. And the Bible says that we will experience the same resurrection as Jesus. We will, our bodies, your flesh and blood, your brain matter, your nail, your fingernails, your gray beards, they will rise out up from the grave. We are the hope is a physical resurrection. So it's a spiritual salvation from spiritual death, but it's also a physical salvation. It's a resurrection out of death, literal death. The great enemy death holds us all down, doesn't it? It's what we fear, death. So much of our, 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 our actions in life are to get out of, avoid thinking about, numb ourselves of that fear of death. Jesus frees us from death. Here's what Jesus said. In Revelation 1.18, and now I really am ending. You ready? Revelation 1.18, I am the living one. I died, but look, I am alive forever and ever. And what does he hold? What does he hold? Look at that. I hold the keys of death and the grave. If anyone's going to hold the keys to death and the grave, I want them to be Jesus. Brad Jerzak, another um, quote up here. He says this. He asks this question. It's a great question. If Jesus holds the keys to death in Hades, what do you think he's going to do with them? What's he going to do with them? Alice? He's going to burn them? All right. He'll burn them. He'll use them, but not before he opens the gates, right? Yeah, he's going to let us out. (laughs) He's going to let us out of there. He's defeated the grave. There's some beautiful Christian art. I've mentioned it before. But Jesus um, is depicted descending into hell, descending into the place of the dead, and grabbing Adam and Eve by the wrist and pulling them up out of Hades, up out of death. That's what he will do to each and every one of us. Death cannot stop Jesus' love from raising us from the dead. Right? Awesome. So your body will rise. So can I get that picture of the cross up there? Here's the reality. All of our names will at some point be added to that cross. All of us will face death. All of us will succumb to death. Our hearts will stop beating. We will be placed in the ground. Our bodies will decay We'll join Sonny and Isaac and Paul and other people that we know. But here's the hope of Easter standing up again. Jesus invites us to stand up with him again in new life forever. So the question is will you take his hand? He's not going to force you. He's offering, he won't, but he won't ever stop offering it to you. He really won't. His love will not stop pursuing you. And so will you take his hand and let you pull you up out of the grave? Will you let him pull you up out of the tyranny and the bondage of of Satan and sin and death and all that brutalizes us? He is standing up again, forgiving your sins. He is standing up again, victorious over Satan. He is standing up again, having stared death in the face and defeated it. And so he's standing here today. He's risen. We're going to sing one last song, well, one song now. And then we're going to baptize three people who have said, I'm going to take the hand of Jesus, and I'm going to die the death of Jesus, and I'm going to rise to newness of life. With him. So let's sing this song. Would you stand up? And if someone could go back and just snag the kids, let them know that we're we're done because I don't want them to miss resurrection baptism.